Hello, hello. This is Jessica, and welcome back to the How I Met Myself podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Today's episode is a special one because it is the very first interview episode of this podcast, and I am really excited about my guest. Today, you are going to hear from Jessica Turney, who is a certified integrative nutrition health coach and mom of two. I've never met Jessica in person before, but I found her through a friend of a friend on Instagram a couple of years ago. Her Instagram, which is linked in the show notes, is an incredible resource for all things related to healthy living. She shares recipes for the whole family, tips for detoxifying your home, strategies to improve your circadian rhythm, and so much more. Definitely give her a follow. And actually for me, after following her for some time, I ended up working with her one-on-one. What I love about her approach to health is that it's not just diet and exercise focused. She has incredible knowledge about gut health and she shares tips on the types of foods that you should be eating in order to optimize your gut health. And we do also talk about movement, but she also emphasizes the importance of managing stress and learning to shift out of a state of fight or flight, because that is so essential in our overall health. And she also highlights that making sure we are filling our cup on all different aspects of life, from social life to relationships to spirituality, creativity, that these are also important factors that affect our health. And she has a really interesting story about how she became a health coach after a long career working in corporate tech. The reason I wanted to have Jessica on to talk about health and wellness is that I really believe that when we feel good, when our bodies are working optimally, when we have good digestion, when we sleep well, when we have tools to manage our stress better, that that's when we can really gain the clarity of mind that's needed to have a step function increase in our self-understanding. And when we do that, we draw closer to our purpose. Optimizing my health is a lifelong, ever-evolving project. I'm always learning and iterating on what works for me, and it ebbs and flows. There have been times in my life when I have definitely been healthier than I am right now, but it's always on my mind, and after talking to Jessica, I feel a renewed drive to really invest in my health again. I know you are going to love Jessica. She is so approachable and has such a kind-hearted spirit. All right. Enough from me, let's get into the conversation. Hello, hello, I'm Jessica, and this is the How I Met Myself podcast, a show where we talk about the journey of self-discovery and finding your purpose in life. After years of feeling stuck, I finally found clarity around my purpose. Now, I'm going after my dream, sharing my story here, and bringing you conversations with healers and spiritual teachers to help inspire and guide you to your purpose. Join me and start building the life you're meant to live. Hello, hello, and welcome Jessica Turney to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I am so honored to be invited and I'm so happy for you that you're doing this. I yes. love the title and I just love this topic. It really spoke to me. So oh. I'm so happy to do it. Oh, well, it really means a lot to me. I love that this is a space for women to be supporting other women. And so I'm just thrilled to have you on. And we have so much to talk about today. I know. Uh, nutrition, gut health, overall healthy lifestyle. And I can't wait to dive into all of that with you. But before we go there, I just wanted to ask one question first that's not related to your work, or maybe it is. But can you think back over the last couple of weeks and recall a time in which you felt completely at ease, in alignment, joyful, 
I would just love to hear what you were doing that made you feel that way. Yeah, no, that's, I love the question. And I, I feel so lucky that I, I feel that way a lot. Um, every day I feel that at, at different times of the day, I feel that when I'm working with my clients and doing work that I'm so passionate about that I love, I feel that when I exercise and I feel really connected to my body, um, I feel that at home. Um, I guess one of the, the, the most in, intense or kind of, um, specific examples is just a bedtime with my kids. Um, I love reading them their stories and tucking them in and bedtime used to be really challenging in our household. I think I have a almost seven-year-old and a four-year-old and we've gone through so many ups and downs and things have stabilized. And it, um, it went from being, I don't want to say like I dreaded it, but it went from being a really hard time in the day to now this such a sweet, special time in the day. So like reading our books and then just like the few minutes that I spend like cuddled with my kids in bed, like scratching their back or whatever, massaging them. They have from my face, you know, they tell me exactly what to do, but um, <laughs> I just have this feeling of, you know, this is exactly where I need to be. And there's nothing I'm, I, I try not to linger too long, but there's nothing I'm rushing out of there for. It's just like, I love ending my day that way. So that's, it's so relatable. I, you know, I also have young ones and I think, I think every parent goes through that where we, maybe we did dread it at times where we're just kind of like, oh, I can't wait till they go to bed. And (laughs) so that I can, you know, watch my show, read my book, talk to my husband, whatever it is. Right. And, you know, but then when you get to that, that place where bedtime just becomes so sweet and, and special and, and just a time to really connect, it's, I totally, totally get that. Um, so that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to share. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, you know, I do want to get into your work. You are an integrative nutrition health coach. And this is a more recent career change for you. You spent the majority of your career working in marketing. Most recently you were at LinkedIn for, I think almost eight years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about your career working in corporate and how you ultimately decided to leave that world and move into your health coaching business. Sure. So it's a, it's a bit of a story. So I'll try and make it as quick as possible. It's very much interwoven with my own, um, just, I guess, health awakening and my, my own, um, just developing this passion for health and wellness, and then figuring out a way to integrate it into my life and make it my career. But yeah, I started off in, uh, in advertising and moved around a lot. And then I was in the Bay area and it's funny, I was working on brands like Procter and Gamble and don't necessarily not a customer of theirs these days. Um, but, uh, (laughs) um, I mean, they were great, great clients, nice work experiences, but anyways, I was recruited to work at LinkedIn and, um, starting in their, in their, um, marketing solutions group in a, in a growing, in a growing business. I started off in sales and then moved into management roles and, um, being on the leadership team of this growing business. And it was, fantastic. It was absolutely um, a life-changing experience, the, my years at LinkedIn. Um, I learned so much. I had so much fun. I made amazing friends. Um, I, and, and I don't mean to say this in a way that sounds braggy, but like I was really successful there too. I was a global top performer. I, in terms of like my, as a manager, I had some, you know, top um, employee voice survey scores, things like that. Um, and I only share that just to underscore that it wasn't, I wasn't like flailing in my career or, or struggling. Um, but I did have a knowing that it wasn't my life's work. Um, and it, but that made it hard, harder to leave. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of positive reinforcement and it was, you know, I was compensated really well and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, so it's kind of take a step back. I, while I was at LinkedIn, one of my coworkers kind of randomly invited me to go to the Commonwealth club in San Francisco. Have you ever been there? Yes. Yeah. For for a talk. Yeah. So they, they bring in a lot of great speakers and it was, uh, somebody I wasn't even particularly close to, but I, I guess I'm a yes person. I said, sure. Like I'll check it out. And it was a lady named Beth Greer who spoke. And if you don't mind, I'll just tell her a little bit of her story because it was so, um, impactful for me, but she, 
was a woman from Marin. And um, for anybody who doesn't know Marin, it's a fairly affluent county north of San Francisco and um, known for people being outdoorsy and healthy. And she was like, I thought of myself, I was the typical Marin woman. I thought of myself as really healthy. She probably ate a lot of salad and granola and probably did yoga and acupuncture. Um, but I, I forget how it, she discovered it, but she had a tumor the size of a tennis ball in her chest. And as she was telling the story, she recounted how there were three different doctors who had different ideas of how they would remove it, like going through the rib cage from the side, the back. And it was very troubling for her that none of them could agree on how to remove this tumor. And there was also a risk of being disabled or you know, something going wrong because it was so close to her spinal cord. So she took a step back and was like, I don't like any of these options and went home and just kind of went to town on her just overhauled and really examined what she was eating, her water, toxins in her home and, and all, all around her. And she went back a year later and the tumor was gone. And the doctors said, um, you know, called it a spontaneous remission or a spontaneous recovery or something like that. And uh, she said there was nothing spontaneous about this. It was the work. I did work every single day to get to this point. So between that story and just hearing from her really left an impact on me. I went home and read her book and honestly, it changed my life. I will never, I was like, there was like the before and after me. Um, and I think it just also caught me at just the right time in my life where um, I'd had all kinds of small little things. I was, I would definitely been, been still considered a healthy person, um, but I, I definitely had some low grade inflammation going on and various things that, you know, doctor, I'd talked to about doctors or hadn't even like realized were symptoms. And, um, I was a few years away. I think I was newly engaged. So I knew I would want to start a family in the next few years. So it just, I think for a lot of us who are raised in diet culture and that's a whole other conversation, but we, our first, um, interactions or explorations of health in terms of healthy eating and exercise are all through the lens of how we look and the lens of wanting right. to look, change our bodies or our skin or something like that. And this was really one of the, probably the first time that I genuinely was like, I need, I want to be healthy for me and I'm going to have children sometime soon. And they're going to be made from my cells and my husband's cells, and they're going to be grown in my body. And I didn't even appreciate how much, um, how many decisions you make as a mother about, you know, that influence your child's health. So it just caught me at the right time. And, um, I just started to just voraciously consume content related to health. Those were the books I read, the podcasts I listened to, um, and made all kinds of changes in our home. And I did notice, like I said, even though I didn't realize that I had things going on, I noticed a lot of like these small things kind of go away that were again, like signs of low grade inflammation. So I consider myself very lucky that I had this health awakening, uh, and, and discover, you know, got into this, not through having some kind of disease. Like a lot of people in my shoes had like a, a health crisis. Right. Um, so I, I'm fortunate that, and, and, but I could have, like, if I was still on that path, like I could have had a, an autoimmune disease by now, you know, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, how did you kind of take this from it being something you became really passionate about to, yeah. Oh my gosh, I need to do this yeah. for my my life's work. Yeah. So um I first started kind of when I would have a friend usually at work who told me that they were pregnant, I'd be like, Can I like can we have like a health chat? Can I tell like give you some ideas? Something like that. And I'd like book a conference room for us and be like, okay, here's what you need to know about like plastics and EMFs and baby monitors, whatever. My friends thankfully were nice and on board. Um, <laughs> so that was like the, me kind of like getting out of my comfort zone a little bit, but I don't even think I knew the, the, the job that the, there was like a job for being a health coach. Right. Um, and certainly was not financially something that was going to be comparable to where I was at. Um, and so I, it, it, it was just a slow organic process. I would say a, a big shift happened when I was, I had, I had my first child and though my health was good, she was healthy, that um, I, I realized pretty quickly that 
being a full-time working mom and lead parent was just not going to be sustainable for me. It was not the life I wanted. Um, my husband travels constantly for work internationally. So he's gone for like five days at a time and I was needing to travel for work. And it was just the stress and um, being lead parent, like every, you know, all the childcare coordinating and every doctor's appointment, all that stuff. Yeah. I was like, this is something's got to change sooner rather than later. I struggled having my second, I had two miscarriages between um, my two kids. And I really think that those miscarriages were due to stress um, yeah. looking back. So when I did conceive my son, my now son, um, we were in the process of moving cross country. So that's like one of my biggest regrets, honestly, is how stressed I let myself be during my pregnancy with him. Um, is, so anyways, we were moving cross country uh, for my husband's work. I just relocated with LinkedIn. And in the back of my head, though, I was like, okay, we're moving from San Francisco to Chicago. We're moving to a place of lower cost of living. And my husband's getting this promotion. Like, maybe this will give me just like a little more leeway in terms of my career. Like, maybe I can dial it back. Um, so anyways, we, we had that transition. Um, it was really, really hard on my two-year-old daughter. Um, my husband's travel and work like got more intense. And, um, that's when I was really like, okay, I can't, I started asking like, can I work four days a week? That wasn't going to go anywhere. So that's at one on maternity leave. I started asking about, can I come back as a contractor? And I think in the back of my head, then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to do something. Right. So, um, there was a, a like a policy where you can't convert from full-time to contractor without t- leaving the company for six months. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll leave for six months. I'll probably figure something else out, but yeah. great to know that I've got, I can, you know, you, you have I, a safety I, net. You can come back yeah. if you want to. Yeah. Right. So I had, um, I was like something in the health and wellness world or this other thing. And so I started to explore both. And I have to say that I had tons of imposter syndrome about like, what am I going to do? I'm not a, I, I went, I was in a business school. I didn't, right. You know, I took AP bio. That's the last like science <laughs> course I've taken. Um, so I was like, what could I do in this space? And so I decided like to, I started a blog and, um, that was, September of 2019. And, um, when I started working on it and and a newsletter and I started sharing on Instagram for the, I had been off Instagram for like two years, hadn't shared anything. And I shared a picture of a turmeric latte and (laughs) I didn't, I didn't even know like that influencers were a thing. I was like trying to figure out how to monetize a blog. Like I, I just, I didn't follow any health people. And one of my friends, shout out to Nikki asked like, share the recipe. Cause I didn't even share the recipe. I just had a picture. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, people like care about this. Like, okay. So that, um, it just sort of happened organically where I started doing the Instagram stuff and, um, launched the blog, launched the, um, newsletter and, um, that I just decided like, that's what I'm, that's going to be my thing. And for now I am going to just be also be like a full-time parent. I decided I'm not somebody who wants to have any, any, I wanted to, um, figure out work that I could do while my kids were in school. So I launched everything in November and four or five months later, COVID started. So that was like a huge, that was really hard because I, um, I felt like I was in the middle of this career change. I didn't have any childcare, any help. And, um, so I put, I, I put the work on the back burner, but I, you talked about this in your first episode and I really related, like I looking back, I, I like killed myself. Um, we were super conservative and for 16 months, we didn't have any childcare or any school. And I didn't let myself like not do the blog. I just kept like being, waking up early and be like, I've got to do a newsletter on Saturday. And <laughs> I've got to do three posts a week. And so in some ways that, that all worked out well, but in other ways it was a very, very stressful time. But I did realize that I don't want to be an influencer. Like I, that's, that's not my goal. And, um, I started learning about health coaching and that is what inspired me to go back and do a a certification program and, um, start working with people one-on-one because I was having an impact and I really enjoyed the, the content creation, but I, I knew I could have a greater impact working with people one-on-one. So I'll pause there. Sorry. I know that was super. No, that's. 
No, I think so many, so many great little nuggets in in your personal story. And I think that's a lot of times when, when women, you know, become moms, that's when we do kind of take a step back and pause and say like, is this really the career I want to have? Or is there something else that's calling to me? You know, maybe that's taking time off and and being a full-time mom. Maybe it's exploring what else has been sort of of interest in our lives that we haven't pursued. It could be a totally new hobby or interest. And so, you know, I think the fact that you followed your, your gut from when you went to that talk in San Francisco, it just, it lit a fire inside of you. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so, and it just kind of, I, I imagine it just is something that you know, started out as kind of like a whispering voice and it just kept getting louder and louder. Yeah. And you realized like, this is, this is where I want to be focusing and spending my time, you know, so let's talk a little bit about your work. Now you have the certification. Now you've been doing one-on-one coaching for, I think what a year, two years, something yeah, like that. Yeah. A year and a half, almost two. Yeah. year and a half. Yeah. Or so. You have a very holistic approach to health can you share a little bit more about that philosophy and how sure. you kind of approach that with your, your work that you're doing now? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I have like, I think of like three pillars that I really focus on the first uh, that I think also differentiate me from maybe other people doing this type of work, but the first is this idea of bio-individuality. Um, I don't have a one-size-fits-all type of program that I put everybody on. There's a ton of overlap and many similarities, but uh, what works for one person, what works really well for one person might not be like the trick for another person. Um, a great example, just that I think most people, we all know people like this, um, or hopefully it's relatable is dairy. So for some people, especially fermented dairy, like yogurt and kefir and um, uh, cottage cheese, like those are absolute superfoods. And then there's also a huge portion of the population who doesn't have the enzymes to digest dairy. So it's, um, you know, there are a lot of, there, there are some things that I think are every benefit, everybody, some things that probably benefit nobody. And then there's a ton of gray in between. So that's kind of one, one of my starting points. The second is whole person health, which you touched on. It's this idea that um, I say that yes, nutrition and exercise, which are the things most people think of um, when they're like, what do you do as a health coach? Those are absolutely cornerstones of healthy living, but they are um, just two factors. And I think of whole person health, um, you know, encompasses things like sleep and spirituality and movement. Oh, I, I kind of touched on that earlier. Home environment. Um, what, you know, the specifically what you're eating in terms of like, is it organic stuff like that? So, right. um, and we can, I know, I, I think you want to talk about the circle of life later so we can get into that. But um, I, a good example for myself with that whole person health is like I said, during those COVID 16 months, I was eating as cleaner than I've ever eaten. I cooked all my own food. I mean, we ordered in only like starting at like the one year point. Um, we walked five miles a day cause that's all there was to do. And yet, um, and, and we'd already detoxed our home. I mean, this is recent. Um, and yet my sleep was my sleep really suffered my energy, I was, I struggled to get out of bed. Um, I was just, I felt like I had a very short fuse too. Um, and it's because there were so many pieces of my life that were missing, right. Um, from that, from that kind of whole, um, holistic perspective. So yeah, I mean, we were just all so isolated. So yeah, so many parts of our lives just had to be put on hold during that period. And that's a great point about the isolation. I'm I'm really fascinated by the blue zones. So those are the parts of the world where people live to be into their 90s and hundreds with very low rates of chronic disease. And when you look about at the the themes among the blue zones, again, it's not just what they eat or how many steps a day they get. It's community is this huge focus. And um, the the great grandparents aren't like living in retirement homes. They have, they wake up every day with a sense of purpose because they've got to watch their great grandkids and like help yeah. make dinner. So there's, there's so much, there's so much um, to that. And also, you know, COVID for some people was, it was, it was amazing. It was like their, 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 their balance was better because of um, the changes. So we all had a different experience from the same 
situation. Um, Anyways, and my third pillar is what I call ancestral wisdom. And so that's the idea that us as human, we as human beings uh, have not evolved in a very, very long time. Thousands and thousands of years human beings have been in terms of our biology and genetic makeup the same. And our world, our environment in the last one to 200 years has changed dramatically. So that's just another lens that I look through. And sometimes if I don't have the time to like Google an ingredient or, you know, do the research on the thing, I just, it's like a litmus test almost and stop and say like, this is around my grandmother was a little girl. Like, is this a man-made ingredient that is new to my art, my system and my environment, or am I made to live this way? Right. Um, am I made to be inside in um, artificial lighting at night? Things like that. Yeah. So those are some yeah. of the, the three kind of main, um, like I said, pillars. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, when we work together, like one of my favorite parts of, of our time together was the exercise of circle of life, which you yeah. briefly mentioned. And so I'll let you share what that is for people that maybe haven't heard of it before, but you know, I think for me, it really helped me reframe how I think about my own well-being and see it as something that's beyond diet and exercise. Yeah. Um, and and to really take a look at my life overall and say, like, okay, what's what are some of the areas in my life that are lacking that need attention? So I'll let you share what it is and then yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm so glad you liked it. I I usually do it with my clients um after our first visit, and that's something we because it changes. It's something we sometimes revisit before the last one, or um, I usually work with people in three, in like a three month block. And then sometimes we move to monthly. And as we, when we like kick off monthly, like kind of a new chapter, we redo it. And it's, it's so fun to see the changes, but basically the circle of life is um, it's your quote unquote primary food. It is the, the, what feeds your soul and your body that is not on your plate. So it covers um, it's picture a circle with like um, pie pieces. So it's got it covers joy, spirituality, creativity. Oh, that's one I, I should have mentioned earlier. Finances, career, education, health, physical activity, home cooking, home environment, relationships, social life. So how you do it is um, you put, put, point a dot. And if you're closer to the outside of that wheel, that is like where you're feeling fulfilled in that area. And closer to the center is where it's it's not feeling fulfilled or there's a, there's a gap there. So um, people place their dots and they connect them with a line. And the idea is you want to have as much of a, of a circle, like a wheel, a circle as possible, but, um, some things are always inevitably in or out. Um, so it's a, it does, it, it, it's a great place to start the conversation. Um, and so much of my work is we talk, yes, about the health and the kind of basic sort of physical things, um, tangible things I should say, but we go pretty deep, like there, um, we get into stuff that has to do with like patterns that were formed in childhood or things that just aren't feeling right and aligned. And if you're feeling stuck with one of these circle of life areas or a lot of them, you're just not in a place. Um, And I think you said this so beautifully in a previous conversation, you're not in a place to focus on your health or, you know, focus on diet changes or focus on new habits. Like all these other things kind of seem superficial. If you, um, if you have, and it's kind of like the idea of stress, like you can have a great diet and a, you know, or a great workout routine, but if, if you've got unresolved trauma or you are living in a state of fight or flight and chronic stress, like you're toxic from the inside and it's not because of what you're eating. So, this, this has just opened the door for, for some more powerful conversations and, um, and reflection, really. That's my goal. Like I, I in part teach and give information and another part of my job and what I love the most is helping people have realizations and you have to like give them some exercises and give them space to have, I think, ahas and realizations. So yeah, it's a nice yeah. tool for that. Well, and I think, you know, for this podcast in particular, like, you know, we're talking all about creating meaningful lives, finding purpose. And the way I see it is that these different areas that are on that circle, they need to be filled at least part of the way Mm -hmm. before we can even begin to get to a place where we can like really deeply connect with ourselves to find 
that purpose and, and start to create a life around it. Right. Totally. I so. agree. Did you, did you watch that documentary Stuts? I it's on my watch list. I haven't started it yet, but I did listen to the armchair expert episode, uh-huh. uh, where they interviewed him. Okay, cool. Yeah. He, um, it's Phil, I think his name is Phil Stutz. He's um, yes. Jonah Hill's therapist or psychologist. Something he said that I thought was really, I mean, it's resonated so much is that, um, he's got all these, uh, tools that he gives his patients before they start their, you know, through their psychotherapy or, um, what have you, right. but he says the first, the, the first piece of work is to focus on your life force. And mm-hmm. that is things like your diet. And this goes into the mind body connection, of course, too, but that's like your diet, your sleep, your just taking basic care of yourself. He says, um, resolves 80% of people's issues. Wow. You know, it's like, wow. just like these kind of first order principles. Yeah. Well, so maybe we can get into some of that. Now you have so much wisdom on gut health. I know that that's a big part of the work that you do with your clients is really cleaning up the gut and in Eastern traditions, they've known this for thousands of years. Exactly. And like wisdom, right? Exactly. And, And now in the West, we're like finally catching up. Right. And there's just now so much research about the connection between the gut and the brain and and the gut and how it affects our mood, our immunity, our long-term health, of course, right? And it feels so fundamental to getting to a place where we can really access that inner wisdom that we all have. And so I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about the connection between the gut and the brain and, you know, maybe some of the lesser known benefits of improving your gut health. Sure. Yeah, no, it's such a great point too about accessing your inner, you have to be in the right physical state to be in the right mental state, to be, have, you know, what you want in terms of that mental clarity and kind of go beyond like just what you see in front of you. I'm I'm having a hard time articulating that, but, um, for sure. And I think that's why like monks and, you know, they have very strict diets, right? Like in order for them to get into the meditative state and really reach the benefits of it, it's like, that's just like, yeah for them. They have to have that. Such a good point. Yeah. You're not going to reach enlightenment if you are not feeling yourself the right way. Um, yeah, no. So gut health is everything. I think it is very foundational. There's a huge mood component and it's also so, um, it's, you know, 70 to 80% of our immune cells are in our gut. So when I talk to people who either they themselves or their children are always sick, it's like, that's, it's, they're like, Oh, we need vitamin C. And like, sure. Maybe right now, but like, you got to take a step back. And there's a, there's a gut component, a huge gut component to that. Um, just like with the everyday common colds or other viruses that we might be exposed to. And then of course, there's a huge link to autoimmune disease, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, like you name it. Um, it's critical for nutrient absorption. So if you don't have good gut health, you can eat the best diet in the world, but you're not necessarily going to be able to assimilate and absorb those nutrients also. Yeah. Um, wasn't it like Hippocrates that said like yeah. all disease begins yes. in the gut or something? Yes. Like yeah. Yes. Um, he all, something else I liked, cause I was just talking about kids getting sick, but he said that's um, interesting is something like, give me a fever and I can cure anything. So that's a whole other oh. topic about how sometimes fevers are actually our bodies doing what they need. A to good do. thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but um, in terms of our, our mood and the gut brain connection, so 95% of our serotonin is produced in the gut. And so we need that. That's part of, you know, that's those feel good neurotransmitters for mood, sleep, digestion, um, 50 to 70% of our dopamine is produced in the gut. In terms of how I think about gut health, um, I think it's Dr. Hyman, Mark Hyman coined this, but it's the, the weed seed and feed idea. So there's a balance of bacteria in your gut. And um, if you have gut issues, often you have an imbalance, you have more bad bacteria than good bacteria. So you want to um, get weed and get rid of the harmful bacteria. You want to seed like with things like fermented foods and probiotics to support, you know, the good bacteria to flourish. And, and then feed is where probiotics come in, like really feeding those good bacteria what they need. Um, okay, great. Else? So maybe, maybe yeah. now is a good time for you to just share some of your kind of go-to tips on improving gut health. 
Yeah. I was also going to say that there's the, the whole enteric nervous system too, that connects the gut and the brain. So, I mean, there's just so this, oh, yeah. we could talk about all day, but there are like a hundred million nerves in your gut that like line your digestive tract. And so your gut and your brain are talking all day long. Mm. And, um, they used to think there's a very high correlation between depression, anxiety, and um, gut issues like IBS, digestive issues. And they used to think that having um, depression or anxiety is what caused the gut issues. And now because of the, just what we're learning about the enteric nervous system, there, it, it's believed to be the other way around, where right. it's the, right. in the, what's going on in the gut that's actually causing those mood symptoms. So anyway, so, so interesting. Um, but in terms of how to promote a healthy gut, um, so it's, it's eating the right things and not eating the wrong things. So <laughs> eating, um, I'm a fan of tons of fiber, lots of colorful fruits and vegetables, um, plant variety, our ancestors, uh, our ancestors ate an, an, an insane variety of foods compared to what we eat now. So uh, my goal usually, and what I talk about with clients is to try and eat 30 different plants a week. And if you can um, rotate that with the seasons, all the better. Again, that's what our ancestors did. And that's a fun way to bring some of this stuff. In, like you can bring that in your children into you know, something like that. Like yeah. I'll sit down at dinner and be like, wow, oh my gosh, I have so many different plants on my plate and I'll count them up. Mm-hmm. And then my kids want to count theirs up. And then I say, wait, how many plants do we like, what, let's think about for the whole day and we'll include breakfast and lunch or snack or whatever. And, you know, call it plant points. It's, it's, we keep it casual. It's not like a competition, but it's right. just a way to bring awareness. And, um, another practical way to involve your children is I like taking them grocery shopping. I know it can be a pain. I like, yeah. I prefer doing it with one child at a time, but <laughs> I kind of let my kids pick out anything in the produce department. So there's right. like, they'll come, they'll run up to me with some weird, like tropical fruit. It's like, okay, let's try it. Or if they want the same one again, I'm like, no, let's try it. Like find something new. Let's try whatever, yeah. like star fruit. Right. So we go um, to the farmer's market yes. here in, in California. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> exactly. There's a great book called eating on the wild side. That was also one of these like kind of more profound sort of blips for me on my journey. It's by Joe Robinson. And she talks about the phytonutrients in plants and I won't get into all that, but she talks about all the different varietals and how, mm. you know, like two different types of radicchio, one might have like twice as many of these phytonutrients. And it's just kind of fun to, um, it, it, they talk a lot about, again, back to ancestral wisdom, how like the, all the, the, the phytochemicals and all the nutrients that were in these, the, the native forms of these plants and how so many of them, especially what we see in the grocery store are hybridized and, you know, bred yeah. to be sweeter, um, bigger, uh, more starchy, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, and that's why a wild apple or wild berries taste really different than maybe what you might find. So I really like uh, the idea of shopping based on, you know, colors, diversity of, of varieties, because it's like, you don't have to put too much thought into it. You're not sitting there going, Oh, like, does this one have those phytonutrients or does this one, you know, it's more just like, Oh, Hey, you know, last week I got the white cauliflower. I think this week I'm going to grab the purple one. Yeah, totally. I love that. So yeah. So eating lots of different colorful plant foods, um, you know, balancing your plate with fiber, clean proteins, healthy fats, um, avoiding processed foods and packaged foods as much as possible. Like, right just for an instance, seed oils, like canola oil, soybean oil, grapeseed oil, like those are in everything. Once you're, once you avoid those, you're going to cut down on your package foods or like just even things that we think of as healthy. Like we talked about hummus, um, at one point I remember, uh, so, um, yeah, I I think I, even at the farmer's market, you know, we were getting hummus and, you know, you think like, okay, it's coming from farmer's market. It's going to be like the most whole pure version. And, and I noticed like some of the hummuses were made with olive oil. Yeah. Some were made with, I can't remember some sort of seed oil. And I just said, well, I'm no longer getting those flavors. And that's just about inflammation basically that they cause 
inflammation in the body. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're inflammatory and they're just, and they're, there's, they're ultra processed. They are made. Um, it's not like when you make olive oil or coconut oil or avocado oil from things that are oily, <laughs> like think about like, what do you have to do to get oil out of corn? <laughs> you know, like there's some kind of process going on here. Right. Um, right. They are, it's like, if you watch a video of it, you'll be like, Oh, okay. This is definitely not something I want to eat. Like this <laughs> disgusting sludge that smells and tastes horrible. It wow. um, goes rancid really quickly. They use hexane and all kinds of chemical solvents to deodorize it and do all this stuff to make it shelf stable. So it's a very um, a, adulterated, very just super processed um, thing. And, and again, like in small quantities, like it's, we have a, again, I don't, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole here too much, but um, we want omega-3 fats and we, and some omega-6 fats are okay. In our society, the proportion of omega-6 to omega-3 is way out of whack in terms of like how we were meant to eat and live. Okay. So, you know, there are omega-6 fats in, in nuts and seeds and, and that's okay. And like whole real products, it's, um, it's, if you're not watching out for it though, you will have, um, again, this like kind of typical Western, like really off balance ratio of six to three. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that causes inflammation, just a whole host of other downstream effects. Yeah. Um, sugar is another one. I mean, as far as our gut health, like, um, you want to avoid are the bad, there's a book we have, read my kids have called buddies in our belly, the bad buddies, the love sugar, <laughs> um, <laughs> alcohol, uh, even, and sugar alcohols, I should say too. Um, you want to, so eat organic as much as possible, because if you think about it, the pesticides that are meant to kill pests on our produce, so we don't want to ingest those. Filtering right. your water is really important. There's so much stuff in our water. And oh, yeah. um, aside from, you know, all these other chemicals that you know, maybe not, um, things that we know about off the top of our head, but like one, one that I think we can all relate to is, um, chlorine. There's a ton of chlorine in, in tap water now. And again, like, do like, is chlorine going to be good for our microbiome? Right. No, um, right. aside from all the other weird stuff, but sometimes you can just, when I, we moved to our house in Chicago, I could smell, we ended up putting in a whole house water filtration system because even in the bath, like running the bath or the shower, like the steam of the shower, like smelled like chlorine. I was like, this oh, is yeah. not be good for us. Yeah. No, where I live, um, a lot of my friends have noticed that the shower water is turning their hair green. God. And, you know, if you think about, okay, well, like right. what, what chemicals right. have to be in yeah. this water that that's causing this. So we're also looking into a whole house filtration system. Water is definitely a big one for sure. The, the last big thing to think about with gut health is your stress. Mm. So it's not just this like fluffy, like, oh, stress is bad. Like every feeling we have, it, it, our feelings change our biology. Our feelings trigger hormones and, and cortisol shreds our guts. Cortisol causes um, our, our um, digestive system to be inflamed. It throws the good and bad bacteria out of balance. And then, um, you know, raising our cortisol and being stressed um, kicks in our sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight or flight. And, you know, there's the sympathetic nerves, nervous system that is like when you are in danger, fight or flight. The other side is the parasympathetic and that's yeah. the rest, digest and reproduce. So if you are, if your body perceives danger and thinks that your, your, your life is at risk, what's it going to downregulate the stuff that doesn't matter right now. It's going to do what it needs to do to keep you alive and give you a adrenaline and some, put some shit back, sugar back into your blood. Um, but it's going to downregulate your digestion, your ability to rest, assimilate nutrients and reproduce. So I think that's also why stress and fertility issues are so interwoven is because if you're stressed, like that's, that's, that's on the back burner for your body. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to mention stress because again, we, we, I think it's so easy to like, kind of do these things where we're checking the boxes, like, okay, buying organic, I'm filtering my water. I'm doing these things, but often the inner work is the real work. It's, it's way harder than the things that we can easily check a box on, but that's like poison on the inside. That's so true. Yeah. 
what are your, I mean, you know, I think of course we could talk all day about ways to reduce stress. I mean, are there certain things that you really focus on with your clients? I'm a huge fan of breath work. That's something that I just introduced to most of my clients like myself. It's like, if you tell us to meditate, it's like, oh my gosh, like, where am I going to find the time? That's not, that's not the first thing that we can usually easily do. Um, I'm a huge fan of meditation, but I, I think starting with breath work is a lot easier um, yeah. because it's something you can do in the moment. And I love teaching moms about it because I've like, start doing this, especially if your kids are who are stressing you out, like take a deep breath, do a slow exhale. That is very calming for the nervous system for your, there's like polyvagal theory, uh, theory, also like humming. There are these things that singing things that we can do to help shift ourselves into the um, parasympathetic state. But if you start doing these deep breaths, when you're stressed, you might even like put a hand on your heart. You might have mm. a little mantra. You say, um, your kids like watch, like give it a couple weeks, give it a couple of days. Like you will see your children get themselves all wound up and they will stop and go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you're modeling for them. Oh, for sure. Amazing. Well, and I think actually like in a lot of the classes that I took, like mommy and me classes, parenting classes, it was, you know, they, they would always talk about how when your kid is throwing a tantrum, you know, to just ask them to take a deep breath. I think in like the Daniel Tiger TV show, there's like a little jingle about it. Right. This is advice we're giving to our kids, right. but it makes so much sense that we should take our own advice and, totally. and use it ourselves. Totally. And I mean, how annoying is it when somebody tells you to take a deep breath? Like you're like, right. you, you will get your child to calm down. And I, and I speak from having, like, I can say that having young children, especially toddlers is like the hardest thing I've ever gone through. So this <laughs> impatience and I mean, this does not come naturally. I've really had to work to like, not be so activated and triggered by like oh, yelling sure. and screaming and whining. I mean, I, I'm still, I'm a work in progress. Um, but yeah, it is, it is so much better to like lead by example. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of journaling. Um, I think meditation is fantastic, but it's, it can be hard to weave in. So I usually suggest people starting with it. Like when they're laying in bed, I know they say, don't fall asleep while you meditate. But if that's the only way I can get a mom to meditate, it's like when she's already in bed about to go to sleep that I'll take it. Absolutely. Um, Something we haven't really talked about much that I think is so important and is, um, part of a big part of my work is just helping moms realize that they need to be their own priority. I think yeah. it's, we so often like everything's for other people and this is selfish. And it's like um, something Elizabeth Gilbert said uh, in an interview I listened to a long time ago was like, there's only one person who was put on this earth to take care of you. And that's you like my job, like my soul was brought to this earth to take care of Jessica, this body. And, um, right. and I care for a lot of other people, but who like to not care for myself, like who am I doing any favors for? And um, I think that you're lying to yourself. If you think you're going to be the best mom, the best wife, the best employee, if you are in a state of like, burnout, anxiety, undernourished, underslept, like, right. Even if you have to start off from a, from a, a mindset of still being in service to other people, like you are going to be the best, you're not going to be the best version of yourself. You're not going to feel kind of like, you know, what we touched on earlier, your life's work, you're great. You're not going to fulfill your greatest potential if you're not taking care of yourself. And that's yeah. not a, a selfish thing. That's kind of an imperative. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it can be a learning to try to just figure out like, what are the practices that you can add into your life yeah, or what can you remove from your life, Yeah, you know, to make space for yourself. That might actually be a great segue into talking about circadian rhythm and sleep, because that's obviously so important being able to manage stress. You're much more equipped to do so when you are well rested (laughs) and everything. I think of like energy, sleep, mindset are foundational kind of like circle of life stuff. Like you don't have those dialed in. It's going to be really hard to make other changes. Um, so yeah, so the circadian rhythms are so interesting to me. Um, every cell in our body has its own clock and even the bacteria, the 
that live in our stomachs and our guts um, are, have circadian rhythms. So that's one of the reasons oh, wow. why you might have a different blood sugar impact from eating in the middle of the night than if you were to eat at a different time of day. Like it's so, so interesting. Um, and really, you know, ties in with that ancestral wisdom piece as well. But in terms of just like practical tips and advice, um, I am a big fan of morning sun exposure as early in the day as you can. But if you, especially if you live somewhere nice, like to get out of bed, open the window, like literally open the window. So you don't have glass between you and the sun if, okay. or, or step out on a balcony or with your coffee, like as early in the day as you can get some real sun into your eyes, the better. Um, especially if you're somebody who's feeling groggy. So you, if you're feeling groggy, you might still have some melatonin that's elevated. And this is where hormones are so cool because they're, they're, there's a balance. It's not like this goes up and this goes up often. It's like, this goes up, this goes down. There's this kind of harmony that happens. And right. um, that light signals and your retina hits the pineal gland and it basically helps to boost your cortisol. Um, cortisol is not always a bad thing. We okay. need cortisol. We need like a certain amount and it needs to kind of follow a certain pattern in the day. But that's like a, in that case, that's kind of our get up and go version of cortisol. And it sort of puts a snooze button is what I say on our melatonin production. So it okay. really like light exposure really quickly will, um, will like have that melatonin like recede and kind of puts a snooze button on for like 14 or so hours later to, to amp back up. Now, if you have a lot of artificial crap light exposure at night, that's going to screw up your melatonin, but, um, but that's kind of how it works. So, um, if you can't, and I understand when you have young children and uh, being in Chicago in, in the winter <laughs> on the weekends, I'll do it. I'll go sit outside with my coffee, but it's just, I'm not going to put on all this stuff. It's like before I'm doing my kids breakfast. But what I do is I, um, rather than doing the drive-through drop off, I park, walk them in, always invite them to come with me. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but then I walk around the school. I walk, um, I don't know, it's probably like three blocks, about six blocks or so. I try to right. walk for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, I go, to, there's a school where there's some green space that's just good for your mood and good for um, all kinds of other health benefits to being in green space. But um, so that's when I can do it. And it's at 8.30 in the morning and it's better than nothing. So um, right. getting morning sunlight, again, walking great, doesn't have to be walking. And then nighttime light hygiene is really important. Um, you want to kind of follow what's happening outside. So it's okay to have really bright lights on in your house during the day. And, um, if you use like a, a, a light for, um, what are they called? Like for the seasonal depression? Um, oh, those, right. Those, yeah. Um, I forget I what they're called. The I, I had seasonal depression when I first went to college, I was in DC and I'm from California and I was like, well, this is serious. And I have lived in many years of winter since then. And I think just the, some of these like habit changes have really, really helped me just keep my mood wow. up and whatnot. So, um, you want to be careful about lighting in the evenings if possible, like warm amber lighting, um, and something else I'll say too, is that melatonin is not just a, uh, a sleep hormone. I, it, it's, it fits into this conversation because of that, but melatonin is this like very, very powerful antioxidant, anti-inflammatory hormone that we need. Um, so there's, the, this advice doesn't just support sleep, but there is a ton of research that links, um, melatonin issues with cancer. So the World Health Organization has classified shift work as a probable carcinogen for that purpose. If you think about how off you are, if you are like say working in a hospital with bright like fluorescent lights on at night, um, there are studies that link um, outdoor light pollution to breast cancer, um, nightlight use to leukemia in children, like all like other cancers as well. So it's, um, and that's, that's not just because people are having like interrupted sleep. I think it's because I don't think we even understand how powerful and how important melatonin is and being, um, in a room with bright lights on later in the day can reduce your melatonin by like 40%. So even if wow. you don't perceive a sleep issue, like you may still be damaging the, your melatonin production and, um, you know, kind of reducing this, this really, really important hormone for your overall health. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. 
I I know we're we're coming up to the end here, but I did want to just briefly talk about the environmental toxins, exposure to those through our personal care products, uh, cookware, you know, so many different products you that know. we're interacting with. You mentioned at the beginning of the interview that your clients were Procter and Gamble. <laughs> and so can you just share, you and know, what, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are you no longer customers <laughs> in these companies? You know, what should we be? looking out for? What are some kind of little life hacks on, you know, really trying to detoxify the home? Yeah. And I'll say, um, it can feel very overwhelming. Like that's how I felt after I read that book and I was like, Oh my God, I have to change everything. And so, um, try not try to pick one thing at a time in terms of like the practical implementation. Um, as you use something up, as you use up your deodorant, get a new deodorant, you know, like get a new whatever toothpaste, one, one thing at a time is still progress. Um, I, we haven't talked about this yet, but a huge theme in my coaching is helping people get over all or nothing thinking. And it's this cycle of being on the program, off the program. Like I, I had all of this stuff is toxic. I need all new stuff. And then you're like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. And you're like, you're in indecision mode. So try try to avoid all or nothing thinking with that. Um, and yeah, the, it's, it's so unfortunate. I mean, something I say to people a lot is this is not our grandparents' world, you know, like, I'm like my parents didn't have to do this, or I grew up eating, da, 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 or your, your grandmother might say, that. it's like, well, guess what? There are thousands of new chemicals that are part of our food production, our personal care products, in our water, like things that you didn't need to worry about. So um, we can't, I, I, I think this is something to be mindful about. Um, there was a study, I think it was called the body burden that uh, showed that even in the umbilical cords of unborn babies, there were over 287 chemicals that were detected and many were known to wow. be very hazardous. So we, um, our, our children and, and all of us are, you know, we are exposed to these toxins before we even take our first breath. So um, some of the places to watch out would be um, I think you touched on some of these plastics, um, being really mindful about plastics, touching your food and water, even plastic water bottles, like those are leaching into water, but particularly heat, acid, and fat cause plastics to leach more. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm sorry to say, I'm not a huge fan of like ordering in a lot of takeout, especially hot food. It's like in these like really cheap plastic containers, or they're yeah. the, the, the paper ones that are lined in forever chemicals. And that's a whole other, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the, the, you know, the PFOAs that are problematic with like black nonstick pans. So, um, yeah, being mindful about plastics and, and opting for glass stainless steel and silicone as much as possible, being yeah, mindful about cookware, like they touched on and you mentioned, um, the right. cleaning products and personal care products. Once the, the good news is once you find your swaps, like I'm like I'm years past, you know, a couple every once in a while I'll come up with something where I'm like, oh, I should get a wooden vitamin case rather than a plastic one. But for the <laughs> most part, like I don't think about this stuff anymore because once you have your swaps, it's like in the rearview mirror and then you're on repeat buying your same. Do you right. Know? You just subscribe and say, yeah, and exactly. You subscribe. <laughs> um, but it can take a, especially depending on the thing, it can take like some trial and error to find your, your new thing. But apps like the um, environment, EWG, Environmental Working Group, I think it's still called Skin Deep. There was another name at one point, but that app is awesome for, you can scan your personal. I used to do that like in stores. Um, yeah, I forgot to talk about my, uh, I went through a phase where I made a lot of my own, I made my own soap and I made my own like creams and stuff like that. Oh, early, wow. early days, pre-kids, <laughs> but there weren't as many, um, options, great options. Yeah. Yes. And I had time. It was like a hobby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the, there's that, um, dust, like our household toxins and, um, things like flame retardants, um, all the foams that are used, uh, an easy way to, I, it's not necessarily easy, but a way to manage that is um, being vigilant about dust, so like vacuuming, wet mopping, and opening your windows just to, um, mm -hmm. oftentimes our indoor air quality is worse than our outdoor air quality. Oh yeah. So we have um, those yeah. molecule, uh, oh, yeah. air purifiers in like every room. And yes. I think a lot of people during COVID invested in those kind of products. And so, or in San Francisco during the fires. That too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so yeah, so just being in cars, like our cars are full of plastic and full mm. of, I mean, it's, it's uh, that's an important place to vacuum as well. So those are some of the, it's a really good point. the top of my, my head. You, you have so many great tips and, and I know that, you know, people will want to follow you on Instagram and also your blog would love to have you share how people can connect with you. Maybe you could also just quickly share, you know, given that you are a couple of years into your journey as a health coach, how does it feel now? And, and where, where are you headed as you continue on this path? Yeah. Um, it feels amazing. Like, I feel like I could choke up. I'm, I'm so, oh. <laughs> um, it's like rare. You sit down and like tell your whole story and all this stuff. Um, I just feel so grateful I get to do this work um, and that I have been able to make this my career um, and that I get to help people. It's just, it's, it was, you know, I got a taste for it when I would be doing the newsletters and sharing on Instagram. And I'm so grateful for the people that gave me positive reinforcement because it's, it's a huge part of what kept me going. And and it was really hard to step away from that for my corporate career. It was like all the positive reinforcement right. and accolades and all that stuff to go into doing something where you're like, I have no credential and I have <laughs> no idea what I'm doing. No. Yeah. Um, well, and to, uh, to walk away from a career that you had invested so much in yeah. and on top of that, you were getting that positive reinforcement, you know, you were probably getting promoted and getting raises and it's like really hard to leave that behind. There's sort of yeah. this like sunk cost. Uh, you know, which I think is a fallacy, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, it played, played a role for you. And I think also you said at the beginning, it's like, you know, you posted or something and you didn't really know that this was even a job, right? Like go from like having no concept of what a career (laughs) in this space could look like to to now you have it is really, you know, it is, it's worth manifested. (laughs) Yes. other talk. Um, but no, thank you. I, I am so grateful to be doing it and I, I really enjoy it. Um, and where am I going? So this year I have, I have wanted to focus a little bit more on scale. Um, I always knew I wanted to start off with, with one-on-one coaching, but, um, because of my background in online marketing and um, just like tech, I've, you know, was like, should I do online courses? Right. So that's maybe something I do at some point, but I really wanted to feel good about my approach and my method before packaging it up, like in that type of way. Um, I definitely would like to do some group coaching. So if anybody's listening and they want to <laughs> do some group coaching, I, um, I had a really wonderful experience being in a group coaching program through my training program. So that like kind of lit that fire for me. I've been doing uh, corporate workshops. So I've also enjoyed kind of, again, like sharing the same type of information, but in a different format and um, dusting off some of those old skills from my I love that. And and it can be so motivating to do it in a group because, you know, you have solidarity and people are sharing their own tips and yeah, yeah, what's working for them. So it can't, I actually also had a a really positive experience doing something like that in a group setting. And it was incredibly impactful to, to, to have that camaraderie with other people. Yeah. I there's a coach friend of mine. She's comes at things from more of a neuroscience uh, standpoint. And we are, have been toying with the idea of doing a uh, program for mothers of children with autism. So that might be something that's oh, wow. on the horizon. Um, and I would love another thing I'm kind of putting this out there in the universe is, uh, to get involved with like wellness retreats, I think would be so fun. I don't necessarily want to lead, like do all the organizing and leading them, but if there's somebody who's, uh, I don't know, that would be a really cool place to sort of plug in. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what's on my on my radar right now. And I work part-time and I'll also say like, I, I just want to say that because I didn't, there aren't very many examples of, it's it's very, that all or nothing, I, I feel like. And right now I, I say I work part-time by choice. I um, am very clear with my boundaries and what I need for myself after having, for the first three years of motherhood, taking time for myself. And, um, I'm clear about what I need for my own self-care and, um, and the time I have with my kids. So that's, that's something that I'm really, really, really grateful for. And if anybody wants to connect, I'm on Instagram at Californian underscore. So it's K-A-L-E 
and then I-F-O-R-N-I-A-N. And then um, my blog is Californian.com. And I also have JessicaTurney.com. That's more of a health coaching focused uh, website with my testimonials and a little bit more about my approach and, um, and that it also links to my blog. So um, I've got a newsletter, I would love and any way that you want to connect, I, I I'm happy to connect answer questions. And Amazing. Yeah. And wonderful. I mean, I love your Instagram. That's how we initially connected is I I think I found you through a friend of a friend or something and just started following her on Instagram. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting just a lot of great recipe ideas and it it really is a really great resource. And I'll link to all of the, thank you, you know, your social media, your blog, your website in the show notes. So people can easily just click through and start connecting with you. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for joining me. This was such a great conversation. I, every time I talk to you, I always come away feeling, you know, so motivated to really stay the course and implement a lot of the learnings that you shared and just keep up leveling my health. So uh, yes, thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me.